Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, there's an old country preacher who was challenged by a, I guess you'd call him a highly educated skeptic. And the skeptic asked the preacher, said, how can you be sure that God will win? How can you be so sure that God will conquer this world with the gospel? And the old preacher replies, he said, well, it says in the beginning of my Bible, God was in charge when time started up. Then I flip over to the end of my Bible and read that God will be in charge when time runs down. So I figure twixt the beginning and twixt the end, there ain't nobody else big enough to whoop him. That seems like pretty sound reasoning to me. A God who's big enough to create the world with just a word is big enough to do anything else he wants to do. Yes, sometimes we can't help but wonder, can we? Sometimes it's possible that we can lose sight of how big he really is. We get worried and our problems start looking bigger than God. We attempt it and our desires look bigger than God. We feel like giving up and our weakness feels bigger than God. Well, tonight we're going to do a little bit of corrective surgery on the eyes of our heart. I want to remind you how big our God really is. And we're going to do that by examining two portions or, or two verses of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Would you stand with me as we read from the Word of God, the precious Word of God that is meant to build faith in our hearts? This is the Word of our Lord, not a Him, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, According to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, 99% of our problems come when we don't, when we lose sight of you. And Lord, it's not that we forget who you are. It's not that we forget the doctrines that are so precious to us. It's not even really that we, we forget what the Bible says. But we lose that appreciation. We lose that confidence in how big our God is. And so often that's the reason why we are so, we are so paralyzed by fear. It's the reason why we're so confused about so many things. And Lord, we can't make you bigger than you are, but we can magnify you. We can see you as big, bigger than we could ever imagine. Lord, I pray tonight that you'll help us see you as the big God, the big God that we need in our life, the big God who's worthy of our praise, the big God who can do anything. Help us do that tonight by your spirit and through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. College professor was once explaining a key point to his students. He said, some men have a little God, and they're always in trouble with him. 
The little God can't do any miracles. He doesn't intervene on behalf of his people. They have a little God, and so I call them little Godders. He said, then there are those who have a great God, a God who speaks and it is done, a God who commands and it stands fast, a God who shows himself strong on behalf of them that fear him. Well, which one are you? I know which one we ought to be. We ought to be big Godders. We ought to be convinced of some truths that Paul outlines here. The first one is this. We need to be convinced, first of all, God is big enough to make any dream come true. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now in your head, you have two lists. You have two lists, uh, two columns to a, a, a list in your head. You, on one side you have the possible, on the other side you have the impossible. Over on this side where the impossible things are, are some things that you are certain cannot be done. You are certain they cannot happen. You'd never even pray for them because you are so sure that they're impossible. There's some things that you'd never even expect God to be able to do. Paul says God is much bigger than that. He doesn't have a list labeled impossible. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask. There's no prayer that you will ever pray that's too big for God to answer. That's too big for him to handle. There are prayers he does not answer. There are prayers he will not answer. But there is no petition you can make that he cannot answer. And yet God is even bigger than that. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could not just ask, but anything you could think. Human imagination is a wonderful thing. Your imagination can be as vast as the world itself. But there's never a thought you think that is beyond the limits of God's power. The God of the impossible is able to do much more that you can possibly imagine. What that means, Paul says, is that you need to be praying big prayers. You need to be dreaming big dreams. And I'm not talking about dreams for a bigger house or a bigger car. Those are small, petty things. You can do that without God's help. But there are some things that are so big, only God can make them happen. Whenever I think about Big dreams. I can't help but think about Joseph. You remember Joseph, father's favorite son? Joseph comes to his dad, tells him he has a dream. Basically what he says is, I dreamt that one day all the world, everybody will bow down to me. You also may remember there comes a time when that seems like an impossible dream. Joseph is sold into slavery. Joseph is thrown into a dungeon. Even when he's exalted, even when he becomes second to Pharaoh, he never dreams that he'll see his family again. But then the God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think, he makes it all happen. Now, if he can do it for Joseph, he can do it for you. He can change your heart. He can save that loved one that's lost. He can give you back your joy. He can heal your body. He can mend your broken heart. Everything you have on your list 
labeled impossible, is not impossible for him. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that? You believe God can and will do the impossible? You willing to ask him and believe that he can and will do what nobody else can? If you can do that, then you can also believe something else. God is big enough to work through your weakness. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, God has a very odd way of getting his work done in this world. Most often he doesn't use the rich and powerful. He uses the poor and the weak doesn't use the wise and the mighty. Sometimes he uses the foolish and the powerless. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 29 says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Now, I don't think that means that we ought to neglect to be as smart as we can be or that we ought to neglect being as strong as we can be. What I do believe is that God delights to show himself strong in the weakest of us. God delights to use us whenever we do not have many abilities. We, we don't have much strength. God delights to show himself strong. The same God who's big enough to do anything delights to do his work through frail, weak people. Frail, weak people like you and like me. God loves to pour his power into small things. He uses little acorns to grow large trees. He sends little raindrops to form huge rivers. He drops tiny grains of sand to make vast deserts. And he uses small people as channels of his power. When Israel went looking for a king, they chose Saul. The Bible says he was the tallest among them, most imposing. Surely he would be a great king just by his appearance. When God selects a king, who does he choose? He chooses the young boy that his father forgets about the one that's tending the sheep. He chooses that young shepherd boy to bring down a giant. When Jesus looks out at a, at a crowd of at least 5,000 faces, 5,000 hungry faces, he doesn't rain manna from heaven. What does he do? What do you have? He takes a little boy's lunch and he feeds everybody. One of the greatest missionaries of modern times was a man named Hudson Taylor. In large part, Hudson Taylor is the reason why there are over 300 million Christians in China right now. He took on the massive task of evangelizing China back in the late 1800s or late 1800s, early 1900s. He led a group that led so many people to Christ. People would ask him, what's the secret? How do you do? How do you work with, with that massive of a task? Why did God choose you? This is what he said. I often think God must have been looking for someone small enough 
and weak enough for him to use. That's why he found me. One of our problems is we think we have to be stronger, we have to be smarter, we have to be more attractive, more talented, be more, you fill in the blank. But our God is so big that he does not need your abilities. He needs your availabilities. He does not need your great knowledge. He needs your great humility. He does not need our big talents. He wants us to be faithful in small things. Nobody is too small to be used by God if they put themselves at his disposal. God can use you in ways you cannot imagine. And what you and I need to do is come to God and say, Lord, you know I'm not much. Not much. But what I am and what I have I give to you. The little chorus that we sing, little is much when what? When God is in it. God can take us just like we are and do marvelous things, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You believe that? You believe God is big enough to work through somebody as small and as weak as you? Are you willing to make yourself available to him? To do whatever he wants you to do. To speak to whoever he wants you to speak to. You believe he's that big. God is big enough to make any dream come true. God is big enough to work through even the weakest of us. And finally, the third possibility Paul mentions. God is big enough to shine his glory through you. One Sunday, a little girl asked her mother after church, Mommy, I don't understand the preacher this morning. He said, God is bigger than we are. Is that true? Mother said, yes, honey, that's true. She said, Mommy, God said that, or the preacher said that God is bigger than we are, but he also said that God lives in us. Mommy, is that true? Yes, yes, sweetheart, that's true. Little girl said, well, if God's bigger than us and he lives in us, wouldn't he show through us? The answer to that question is yes. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. God shines his glory in so many ways. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. God shines his glory through uh, everything that we see in creation. God shines his glory through his word. But the most amazing way God shines his glory is through you and me. He shines his glory through us in his church. To him be glory in the church. The Bible calls us the bride of Christ. I've never seen an ugly baby. I've never seen an ugly bride. Brides are all beautiful. A dress and those expensive dresses, most of them are pretty expensive, and they just seem to glow with a radiance. And just as that bride is radiant with beauty, God wants us as the church to show off his beauty, the beauty of his grace, that he loves us, that we can love each other, not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are, that we can show the same grace that's been shown to us to other people. The beauty of joyful worship. The beauty of a love for each other that is unbounded. 
He shines his glory through his church. He shines his glory through us in his son. To him be glory by Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't just call us the bride of Christ. The, body call, the Bible calls us the body of Christ. We're his hands. We're his feet. Reaching out to the world, sharing the gospel, doing the same things that he did when he walked this earth. Feeding the hungry and helping the sick and loving the outcasts. He shines his glory through us, the glory of Jesus through us, as we are his body working in this world. But finally, it says he shines his glory to all generations. We are living testimonies, not just in the here and now, but to those who will come later. Christianity has survived for 20 centuries the reason why is because previous generations have been faithful to pass down the faith from one generation to the other. That's your job. If you don't, you say, well, Brother Mike, I don't have kids at home. If you have kids at home, that's your job to make sure you pass down the truths of the gospel to the next generation. You say, well, I don't have any kids at home. Well, you got grandkids. And it is your responsibility to pass down the faith from generation to generation. Well, I don't have kids, and I don't have grandkids. You know what? You do know children. You can't speak to children. You can show them the love of Jesus. That faith has to be passed down from generation to generation. God is big enough to be glorified through you in his church, through his son, to all generations. What does he need? He needs a humble, willing heart. A humble, willing heart that's willing to say, you know what? I don't deserve the glory. I don't want the glory. I want to give glory to God. I want to give glory to God. Corey Ten Boom was once asked it was, if it was difficult for her to remain humble. Very popular author. She was traveled the, the world sharing the gospel. Somebody asked her, was it difficult for you to remain humble? This is what she said. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey, everyone is waving palm branches and throwing garments on the road and singing praises. Do you think for one moment it ever enters the head of that donkey that any of that's for him? If I can be the donkey on which Jesus Christ rides in his glory, I will give him all the praise and all the honor. You say, Brother Mike, that's humiliating. No, that's humility. It's rejoicing in the fact that God is big enough to be rejoice, big enough to be glorified through somebody as unworthy as me. Mark Betterson asked the question, are your problems bigger than God or is God bigger than your problems? Our biggest problem, listen to what he says, our biggest problem is our small view of God. That's the cause of all lesser evils. Once you embrace the omnipotence of God, you will find God giving you God-sized dreams. Psalm 34.3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. 
You can't make God bigger, but you can see God bigger. You can see he's big enough. He's big enough to make any dream come true. He's big enough to work through you no matter how weak or small you are. He's big enough to be glorified through you. He really is that big. The only question is, do you believe it? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord, every person in this room faces some big challenges in their life. 